Good evening. I'm so sorry. That was all me. So sorry. Well, I uh, looked around earlier and I said to Jamie, I said, by Wednesday night, I'll have emptied the place. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's great to see all of you. I'm glad you're here and uh, have some friends here for the first time tonight. I think I may see someone else as we move forward and I'll lose my place, but Kenny and Jean Pittman, it's good to have you with us tonight. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Kenny and Jean are a part of Mount Calvary Baptist Church. They were some of the first people that I met uh, when I moved there in 1988. And uh, I don't remember, were either of you on the pulpit committee who made that mistake? I know Uncle Jesse was. I don't remember... I don't remember. I remember Uncle Jesse Pittman was on that committee, if I'm not mistaken, because we were, you know, having a theological conversation, and he looked at me and said, I just need to know one thing. Do you paddle the boat left-handed or right-handed? And, uh, and I said, I think I could do it with either hand. He said, okay, works for me. And so we moved forward. So Chrissy shared uh, something pretty uh, amazing uh, just a moment ago about that feeling of of not fitting in, of not having a place. And uh, I, I think that may be just the perfect segue uh, for what I want to talk to, about, talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about forgiveness and about how we are forgiven and how, how God has forgiven us and all that he's provided for that. The Word of God makes it very clear that the church, the bride of Christ, the local congregation is most accurately described as a body and we've talked about this, and Jamie reminded you, I talked to you about the, the gifting that you bring and the grace that you bring and the guidance that you bring. We need each other. We, we are saved to be together, and we need that. We are a body. And just like any part of our body, if one part is sick, if one part is suffering, the whole body is suffering. Uh, if any one of you want to volunteer, I'm going to drop a grain of sand into your eye. And immediately, your whole body will be aware and be affected. Just let me run out to the street, grab just the tiniest little pebble, and just drop it right into the heel of your shoe, and I'll just have you walk, and you will immediately begin to engage all of your body in the awareness of that pain and that, that need to, to get some relief, right? When one part of your body is hurting, your whole body is hurting. And, and as I'm learning, uh, with the more birthday cake that I eat, uh, more and more of my body hurts for almost no good reason. Uh, I, I, I told someone, I said, I'm finally at the age I can hurt myself sleeping. And anybody ever woke up hurting from, from just a bad night's sleep? I mean, we can do that kind of thing. And so the body, the spiritual body, is very much the same way. And so one of the things that we need to do if we're going to be healthy is we need to truly, truly understand how forgiven we really are. I don't know what you paid for admission tonight, but I'm about to give you your money's worth. And it's called Psalm 103. I want you to turn to Psalm 103. I'm not a doctor. I've never played one on TV, but I do give prescriptions. I do write prescriptions for people, and I most commonly prescribe a dose of Psalm 103 and a dose of Psalm 139. And tonight, we're going to read 
a Psalm 103. I, I thought about just reading a couple of verses, but I thought, you know, I bet the Word of God's worth more than anything I will tell you. So let's read. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Of David, meaning he wrote it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all, all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His way to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Listen carefully. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man... His days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Will you pray with me? Father, we do ask tonight that you would bless and honor the reading of your word. And this psalm promises that you will heal and that you will forgive and that you will deliver. And Lord, I believe there are people in this room tonight who, who need to be healed who need to be forgiven, who need to be delivered, who need to take maybe the biggest step of their faith in their life to truly believe that they are forever and finally forgiven of everything, of every detail, of every secret. Father, let tonight be an experience that, that will reshape and and rescind our lives in a new direction. And we will go out of this place knowing that we are loved by you and we are forgiven by you. And you want to free us and allow us to walk in the power of being forgiven. Oh God, guide us and give us wisdom. Fill my mouth. Lord, guide my tongue and use me for your glory. Oh Lord, we exalt you and we lift you high and we praise you. Amen. So as I've been thinking about this all day, about, about this idea of forgiveness and how to communicate this to you, 
uh, I, I want to just give you a few statements, a few things for you to just wrap your heart around, wrap your mind around, and begin to embrace in your own heart. I want to, if you are struggling with some area of unforgiveness in your life, if you, if you feel like you're carrying a secret, if you feel like there, that you did something in your life that's so bad, that, that's so disappointing, that's so shameful, that you can't be forgiven, and you are, you are denying that the almighty God who spoke the world into existence cannot choose to forgive you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you see how crazy it sounds? How messed up the thinking is to, to then say, oh, but he can't forgive me. Wait a minute. He can speak the world into existence. He can call light into being. He sent his only begotten son who was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You, you can't keep going with that sentence and end it with, but he can't forgive me. And he can't forgive this. Do you see how ludicrous that is? How absolutely disconnected those two things are? Someone said uh, the biggest step of faith that any of us take is to truly believe that God loves us as much as the Word of God says he does. And so tonight, I want to try to just convince you. I'm going to paint you with it. I'm going to, to, to lay, ladle it onto you to cause you to know that you are forgiven. The promise of forgiveness. What is there in your life for which you long for to be forgiven? That you have a hard time believing you are forgiven? We have a long line of people in Scripture who are sort of our poster children for people who need and who were forgiven. There is Abraham, of course, who, who was a liar. There is Moses, of course, who was a murderer. There was David, who was an adulterer and uh, 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 who committed treason and could be charged with murder. There was Peter, who denied him. Saul, that we now know as Paul, who murdered Christians and who opposed the work of Christ with, with so much venom until Jesus arrested him on the way to Damascus and forgave him. The single greatest need of every human is forgiveness. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The entirety of our sin is first and foremost against God. And the single purpose of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is to take away the sin of the world, more commonly known as forgiveness. I think I said this a moment ago, but John, John gave us that introduction to Jesus. And there in chapter 1, he gives us the story of how John the Baptist had an encounter with Jesus. And the first words out of John's mouth were, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's his that's his mission. That's his purpose. He came to take away your sin. 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 You have been forgiven. That was his mission. That was his purpose, was to make sure that you were forgiven. And not just of the past, but you are forgiven in the present. And, and only, an, only an eternal God could work in our lives here in space and time and make it so that when His forgiveness is poured out on us, that it's so rich and so full and so free that it covers us in our past, it covers us in our present, and it covers us in our future. Because it's always right now with God. 
It's always right now with God. It's always the present. And in this present moment, every one of you in this room, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are forgiven. Some of you probably need to repeat that to yourself just under your breath, inside of your mind. You just need to go, I am forgiven of. And you finish it. That thing that comes to you again and again, that thing that you do again and again, that thing that haunts you, that thing that, that struggles you, causes you to feel uh, all kinds of crazy emotions, to start to you telling the story that you're telling yourself. There are all kinds of reasons that we argue with God about being forgiven, but I'm, I'm here to tell you tonight, we are absolutely forgiven. 1 John 1, 9 says it so well. It says that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but I have, uh, I have Sunday clothes. That's changed a little bit in this modern era, right? Tomorrow night I'm going to wear blue jeans. <gasps> you know, Right, and I remember a day when I would have only worn a suit, Kenny and Jean, back in the day, it was shirt and tie. My, my father-in-law is a pastor. Now, you're talking about, I mean, he's like, he's like Shiite Baptist, right? I mean, he's, he's Baptist at a whole new level. And, and he used to, he would never get out of shirt and tie. If he had to go home and mow the grass, he would put on a pair of coveralls, Shirt and tie, every, fully dressed for business, go out there and mow the grass, change the oil in the car, just in case the phone rang and super pastor was needed, and he would, you know, he, he was ready to go. That, that was just the dress code, and, and every, everybody wore that, and everybody wanted to look that part, and now I have no idea why I told that story. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The promise of for... Oh, Sunday clothes. <laughs> Listen, I just make it look easy. I just make it look easy. So, so John ratted me out. So let me go back and tell the story. Help me remember I'm talking about Sunday clothes. Okay, that's, your, that's the cue. That's the cue, Sunday clothes. So Sunday morning... I, you know, told you I drove 178,000 miles to get here. Got in the, parked in the parking lot, I think right over here, and looked over into my briefcase and thought I read the first sentence of the notes for the sermon Sunday morning. Pulled them out, stuck them into my Bible, came in here, sat there, ready to go. I opened my Bible as, as, no, I didn't open it till I got up here. I got up here and opened my Bible and looked down, and I was preaching from Acts chapter 1. I had the notes for Psalm 140. <laughs> I don't know if y'all noticed me, but I, I, I looked real anxious there for a minute. And then I took them and I just stuck them in the back of my Bible and I got on my knees and I cried out to Almighty God. <laughs> Somebody commented, man, you, you prayed and you, and you talked about being so desperate and how, how, how authentic that seemed. I said, dude, that was authentic. <laughs> I was, I was, I am desperate for you, right? I was so desperate because I was going to have to do it from memory. And, you know, by God's grace, I fooled all of y'all into thinking that I preached a sermon. 
And so that, that's where that came from. So back to Sunday clothes. Back in the day, we used to have Sunday clothes. Did you mow the grass in Sunday clothes? Do this with me. Did you do anything except go to church in Sunday clothes? Do this with me. Because why? Because your mom would beat you and your dad would kill you and the sheriff would give him a certificate, right? You remember? You did not get your Sunday clothes dirty. Uh, if we realized how forgiven we were, instead of feeling like we are filthy and feeling like we are undone and feel like we don't matter, if we truly saw ourselves the way God sees us, it would change the way we approach so many things in our lives. Sometimes the reason we are so careless is because we don't realize we are spotless. The reason we are sometimes so careless about sin and careless about temptation and careless about what we are struggling with is that we have forgotten how spotless we are. And like I, I spoke about last night about changing the way that you're thinking and making sure that, that your thinking is matching the Scripture, that we would be not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to begin to adopt that mindset that says, you know what, you don't have to do that. You don't ever have to do that again because God has forgiven you. He has made you spotlessly clean from that. You are robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The promise of forgiveness. And then the payment of forgiveness. Jesus Christ is the purchasing agent in our salvation. Colossians 1.14 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. We are forgiven not just because God said so. He didn't just go, Aw, shucks, don't worry about that. No. He sent His Son to die for us. Our sins are not just overlooked. They're not just pushed under the rug. They are absolutely forgiven. They are washed. The payment has been made. They've been done away with. As Psalm says, it's been cast as far as the east is from the west. Jesus Christ is the person with whom we must identify in order to obtain forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Listen to this phrase. Just as God in Christ forgave I'm currently preaching through Galatians and I'm still flipping a coin on whether or not I'm going to preach a couple of those messages for the rest of the week uh, out of Galatians. But, but on Easter Sunday morning, we spent a few minutes with Galatians 2.20. And Galatians 2.20, I believe, says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And here's the amazing part, who loved me and gave himself for me who loved me and gave himself for me. If you could imagine this, if you could imagine who you are in Christ Jesus, there you are in all of your sin and shame and failure and past. Imagine he has caught you in it like, he, like they did the woman who was caught in adultery, like, like the woman at the well, like Peter in his denial. And Jesus comes along and says, I love you and I am giving myself for you. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. He knows everything you've done. He knows everywhere you've gone. He knows everything that's happened in your life. He knows why you did it. See, the reason you, some of us struggle with, with being forgiven is because not only do we know what we did, and that was bad enough, but we know why we did it. 
And that's a whole nother level. But I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, when he forgives us, when he washes us, when he gives us a second birth, when he renews us, when he gives us his robe of righteousness, all of the things that scripture uses to try to help us understand who we are in Christ, he has forgiven what we did. He has forgiven why we did it. It's deep. It's amazing. It's eternal. It's incredible. There is nothing more beautiful and more wonderful and more powerful than forgiveness. There's a second aspect to it. So one of the things that we struggle with in this whole idea of forgiveness that, that may hinder us from really believing in the forgiveness of God for us is because we may be having trouble allowing God to forgive through us. You see, Jesus told us something very, very troubling. In Matthew chapter 6, he gives us the model prayer, and I know we'll probably get a word or two wrong or different, but let's give it a shot. Let's pray the model prayer to go with me. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our debtors' trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. For how long? How long? Amen. Right in the middle of that prayer, Jesus says, and Father, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. And, and just in case we didn't get it, just in case we didn't quite lock in on it, just after that, in chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 to 15, he says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will you, your Father, forgive your trespasses. And so I want to be very, very careful not because I'm afraid for me, but because I'm afraid for you. And I want to be gentle because there are no greater places of woundedness in our lives than when and where and how we were hurt, the person who hurt us, and how we have since dealt with that. You see, forgiveness is so amazing, it's so huge, it's so incredible, it's so important that we understand how forgiven we are. And the reason for that is because the only way we will ever be able to maintain a healthy life, able to move forward in our growth as a believer and follow Jesus is to make sure that we are constantly delivering forgiveness into the lives of others. For the will of God for our lives is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus jacked it up and said, I want you to love others the way I have loved you. John picks up on it in his letter. He says, you remember this new commandment that God has given unto us, that we would love one another the way Christ has loved us. 
It's how, it's how Paul described marriage when he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So the first step in this whole thing of living for Jesus and following him is to realize that he, how much he has forgiven us and, and how much he has done for us and how much he has poured into our lives and how amazing that is and how we can receive that. And the greatest demonstration of that is to make sure that we are extending that now to everyone around us, even the people who have wounded us. I was thinking about it earlier. I, the, the people that are in this room tonight, I, I don't think you're here by accident. I understand it's a big night for baseball uh, in, in Dillon. I, I remember baseball in Dillon when I was here, uh, you know, a long time ago. My kids were playing Little League Baseball and, and all of that kind of thing. So I remember how important that is and how big that is and what it means to children. And so you're here tonight. Because you needed to be. You think you chose to be here. You, th you think it just fit your schedule. You didn't have anything better or worse to do. And so you decided to come. I, I believe with all, all of my heart you were here tonight because you need to be here. You either needed to be reminded of how forgiven you are. Or you need to be reminded and challenged and called a place where you're willing to forgive others in your life. So I'm going to try to deal quickly and I'm going to try to deal carefully with these last few moments. The pattern of forgiveness. For some reason, I penciled this in. Unforgiveness. You may not recognize unforgiveness because it sometimes dresses in the mask of resentment. And, and you might have resentment for someone because you have unforgiveness in your heart regarding someone else. I'll try to make this quick. There was, uh, I lived in Lebanon, Tennessee. That's 30 miles east of Nashville. I lived there for five years. And I, I remember when I went to be pastor there, uh, it, it, was, it was quite an experience to, to become pastor there and all, all that God did there. But I remember there was a man who had never met me. And I'm, I don't think I'm stretching it when I tell you. He, he, he liked me enough to go to heaven. <laughs> I, I felt like he hated me. I felt like he was so angry at me that, that he second you know, he judged everything that I did. He was critical of everything that I said and did, every, everything that I, every part of my life. He just, he just loathed it all. And finally, one day, we had that sit-down, come-to-Jesus conversation. And he sat and told me the story of his life. And how he had felt God had called him to ministry and, and that because of, of a, something that happened in his life and a health issue in his life, he felt like he couldn't do that. And so he had to continue down the path of, of the job, the, the profession that he had. And so he never said yes to the call of God on his life. 
And then he went on to tell me about how, how his, the story of his life, how what a tragic turn uh, that it took when, when his son, his only son, was, was in, I can't remember now if it was a disease or, or a wreck that he was in, but the bottom line was his son had died. And as we went through that conversation, and I listened to him talk, and I looked into his face, I recognized something immediately. He was not angry at me. He resented me. He was angry at himself, and he was angry at God. And so we can have, we can have unforgiveness in our heart and life, or we can have resentment in our heart and life, and I believe resentment is misplaced unforgiveness. We are angry at this person because they remind us of this. We are, we are, we are upset and we despise and reject this person because they, they bring to our mind a very, very painful thing that happened in our life. We were, we were going to have, we're going to have dinner with the best, with a chef. I don't, I don't remember her name, but we're going to have dinner with a chef. When? Tomorrow night. So I may or may not be here, but anyway, uh, <laughs> depends on how soon the food runs out. Uh, and she, and she sent a message and Jamie sent it to me that we could have uh, salmon and yada, 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 or shrimp and grits. And so I said, shrimp and grits. And here's why. Because the last time I had salmon, I threw it up. <laughs> I, I know you shouldn't say throw up from the pulpit, but I regurgitate so hard to say. <laughs> and so in my mind, I ate salmon and minced cauliflower because we were trying to be healthy and not eat rice. And so we were eating ground up cauliflower. And so about two hours later, I got some kind of virus and I revisited, there we go, I revisited the salmon and the ground up cauliflower. Guess what I'm still not ready to have any of? I resent salmon and cauliflower <laughs> because they remind me of the sickness. Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here and all of a sudden some things, the lights are coming on and you're understanding why you are having so much trouble in this area of your life. You're having so much trouble with this person. This person gets on your nerves so bad and, and you just don't like them. And somebody says, well, why don't you like them? Well, I don't know. I just don't like them. There you go. That's, that makes sense. And what's happening in your life is you are relocating your resentment. You're relocating your unforgiveness and you resent this person because of unforgiveness in this area of your life. Or some of you, you know full well who the person was and when the person was and what the person was and how it happened when they hurt you. So the first thing that you have to do in, in this process of forgiveness is that you have to take responsibility. You have to get to the facts about what happened. You, you could be angry at someone and you were actually at fault. You could be angry at someone and you could be blaming someone because that's the story you started telling yourself. This lady was in a meeting. It had been a long meeting. She got up 
as they were all leaving, she walked by one of the men who were leaving. She said to him, man, that was a long meeting, wasn't it? And he just went, oh, and walked off. So she went straight to her office and been plotted, started plotting his demise because she was telling herself that he was angry at her and that she, he was wanting her job and she, he was going to do everything he could to undermine her and see her fired. But by the grace of God, they had an interaction. They came to a crossroad. And she had the courage to say to him, uh, I spoke to you when we were leaving the meeting yesterday, and I, I don't know. I just got the idea that you were angry with me. Is there something going on that I need to know about? And he looked at her kind of funny. He said, you know, I, I remember us leaving the meeting, and I, and I do remember you saying something, but I played soccer with my kids yesterday, and so when I got up, I was hurting so bad I could hardly walk. You know, sometimes we get mad at people for the wrong reason. We just make it up in our head. We just start. It happens between husbands and wives all the time. Can I get an amen? It happens between husbands and wives. All the men are like, I ain't saying amen. <laughs> I just got over the last mess I made. I'm not making another mess. But our husband will say something. Our wife will say something. And she's just been wrestling, you know, three children with 17 demons and and you know she's fresh out of that and she responds to you less than Juliet and you start telling yourself she's upset at you she's angry at you what have you done I didn't do anything what's wrong with her and it had nothing to do with you and we can flip that around right we need to get responsibility you could be angry at someone and you were at fault it could have become a high place in your life. You could be angry at the wrong person. You need to know why and who you need to forgive. You need to make sure that you're clear on that, that you, that you are dealing with something and you're not blaming someone for something that's wrong in your life that is actually not their fault. But then I'm talking to someone tonight and you know who it is. You know what it is. You can go back to that moment in your childhood when that relative scarred you and harmed you and you have been struggling with that ever since. Because I want you to know when, when that happens to you, you, you carry those scars for the rest of your life. Some of you may be remembering that conversation that you heard when, when your mom or your dad said something to you or said something about you and, and you can't remember what you had for lunch and you can't remember what someone told you to get or the meeting you were supposed to be to, but you will never forget the eight words that that person said to you or about you and the wound that you're still carrying tonight in your Robert Lewis, in his work on authentic manhood, says that every man carries a fatherhood wound, a motherhood wound, an all-alone wound, and a broken heart wound. So I don't know who it is. I don't know when it happened. But you know it's real, and you know it's real in you tonight. And so what we're talking about doing is we're talking about understanding how much God has forgiven you and 
how undeserving you were of that and how he has poured that onto you and to understand that that wound in your life, that, that wrong that was done to you, that person that wounded you and hurt you and scarred you and marred you for the rest of your life and you may be limping on that thing tonight and you've just forgot you were limping and I, and I really, I'm really sorry I had to bring this up but God wants to get that out of your life and what he wants to do is he wants you to take that tremendous reservoir that, of forgiveness that has been poured into your life and allow it to pour into the relationship that you have with that person so that you can be healed. Because that person could be dead. And there is no restoration, there is no confrontation, there is nothing to be done with that person. And more often than not, that's not the solution anyway. The solution rests inside of you. I've noticed a habit in my life. I've noticed a process in my life, and I've noticed a process in the lives of others, and you may identify with it. There is the wound, and then there is the blame, and then there is the bitterness, and then there is the brokenness. And by brokenness, I mean something that needs to be repaired because your life is not working right. The chain is off the sprocket. to forgive and so ask yourself two or three questions number one what can be done can the wrong be made right can it be undone and almost always the answer is no if the circumstances or consequences cannot be changed then the heart must be there must be release and there must be restoration. When you forgive someone else, you relief, you release yourself. Someone said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison, waiting, it, waiting on it to kill the other person. It's just never going to work. You just keep drinking that bitterness and that anger and that unforgiveness, thinking sooner or later it's going to take care of your enemy. Never going to work. My favorite example of what unforgiveness is like, it comes from Vietnam. This was given to me from uh, a young man who had come to America from Vietnam. He had fought alongside the Americans uh, in trying to keep his country free, and he had fallen to the same uh, terrible tragedies that everyone else had. Uh, he'd been shot down. He was a pilot. He'd been shot down. He had awful scars up and down his legs from the fire in the co cockpit uh, that before he ejected. But he had come to America, and he was going to be uh, a machinist. And we were in machine tool school together. And he told me a story about how they catch monkeys. This is the first time I ever heard this story. was from Tran, uh, who had come here from, America, um, from, from South Vietnam. And he said, the way we catch monkeys is we get a box that has slits in it so that you can see and smell what's on the inside. And so we, we firm it up and we tie it to a tree and then we cut just a small hole in the top of it and we have a door that we can open and close and we put an orange or an apple, some large piece of fruit, a mango or whatever, and we put that in the box and then we close the door and, we, and then we leave it. 
And he says, what the monkey will do is the monkey will come and he'll, he'll be careful and he'll look around and he'll come up and he'll reach his little hand down into that box and he'll take hold of that orange. Are you doing the math with me? He reaches his little hand down through that hole and he takes hold of that orange and when he starts to try to pull it out, it won't go. And see, the crazy thing is he's so greedy for that orange, he will not let it go. And Tran told me that they could, they could then walk up to the box where the monkey was standing with his hand inside of the box and his teeth bared and him screaming to the top of his lungs and they walk, walk up and carefully administer an anesthetic. I won't give you the details of that. We'll just call it an anesthetic. But it cost him his life because that monkey could not get in his mind that the thing that he would not let go of was the thing that was keeping him trapped. And that's the unforgiveness in your heart. That's the resentment in your heart. You are hanging on to it. You will not let it go. It is too painful. It was too wrong. It was too deep. It's the, the results and the consequences have been too long-lasting. You cannot let that go. He does not deserve that. No, 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 no. You don't deserve that. This has nothing to do with them. They will face God on their own. They, they will face the consequences of their own. You are not their judge. You do not need revenge. You need to let that person go. Forgiving them does not mean it was okay. Forgiving them does not mean that you're discounting. Forgiving them does not mean you are saying it's your fault. Forgiveness is saying that that person who did this cannot undo it, and I will no longer let them control my life. Because I guarantee you, for every person in this room, all I'd have to say is one name. All I would have to say is the first name. I'd have you. And you would either begin to rage with anger or you would begin to weep or you would blush or something would happen in your life and all I would have to say is the first name or name the place or name the deed and you'd be done. It's so important that we come to the place where we understand that if we have one of those places in our life, that one of those places of resentment, one of those places of unforgiveness that, that has gone from, from the wound to, uh, what, how did I say it? it, going from the wound to the blame to the bitterness to the broken relationship. What can be done? How can we fix that? Well, that brings us to the final thing, the priority of forgiveness. Forgiveness is our greatest Christ-like expression. I'll say that again to you. Forgiveness is our greatest Christ-like expression. And to be unforgiving is our greatest exercise in wickedness. Of all the sins and failures, nothing is worse. It is equal to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 66, 17, and 18 says that, that if I regard iniquity in my heart, O oh Lord, you will not hear. 
We talked about prayer and how important and powerful prayer is and, and you pray and you're wondering why your prayers feel cold and old and unheard. You pray and you feel like they're hitting the ceiling and you're wondering why and you're, you're so discouraged and disappointed because God seems to be answering everybody else's prayers and he won't answer yours. And it could very well be the reason is, is that you are trapped in a box and all God can hear you do is screaming. for something you have got to let go of. To be unforgiving is to commit a greater sin than that which was done against us. Because whatever was done to you happened in time and space and it had a beginning and it had an end. It could have been terribly long. It could have been a one-time event. It could have been over several years of your teenage life. It could have been in the first six years of your married life to that person or in that situation and all kind of things could have happened. But it had a beginning and an end. But unforgiveness is a sin that abides in you and festers in you and grows inside of you and it becomes uglier and more devastating than anything else that could ever be done. When you forgive someone else, you release yourself from the box. Here's the practice of forgiveness. Here's, here's where we're going to give it a shot. In your heart life, what or who needs to be forgiven? In your heart and life, who and what needs to be forgiven? Because I never know, you know, who's going to hear a sermon. Uh, I have to be careful with the use of names. But I remember a time in my life when I had to deal with what she had done and I had to deal with what he had done and I had to deal with what he had done. That last he was my dad. I believe he's forgiven. I believe he's in heaven and by the grace of God I've forgiven him. There's some other things that have happened, and I'm sure not going to tell you, because <laughs> you might tell somebody. There are situations in our life, and, and we have to keep on forgiving. Hey, you young people who are married, you have my sympathies. If you're going to stay married, you have not forgiven them the last time. Hey, a little heads up, you have not forgiven them the last time for the same thing. And that may be what would transform your marriage if you could finally come to the place where you said, you know what, God, I'm, I'm, I want to forgive them now. And I want you to do such a work of forgiveness in my life for them so that the next time they do what I know they're going to do again, I will be ready to forgive them again. You might want to take a big old drink out of that well. So how do we do it? Jesus gave us a formula. He said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. 
You're going, wait a minute, Pastor. They knew what they were doing. They were, they were awake. They were alive. They, they, they were not inebriated, or maybe they were, but they still know what they did. No, no, I don't, I don't mean they didn't know what they were doing. Jesus was forgiving without being asked. That was his tremendous act of grace and mercy. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. They had no idea. They really didn't. Those Roman soldiers had no idea what they were literally doing. Killing the Lamb of God. They had no idea. But he, for, he forgave them without request. He forgave them without restriction. He forgave them without requirement. He forgave them without reservation. He just forgave them. So here's, here's the last few things. God's abounding forgiveness for you is your resource for forgiving them. That's where you start. You start facing God. God, you have forgiven me of so much. You've forgiven me of everything. You have forgiven me for having false gods. You have forgiven me for having idols. You've forgiven me for taking your name in vain. You have forgiven me for violating the principles and the promises of your word. You've forgiven me for dishonoring my parents. You've forgiven me for committing adultery. You've forgiven me for committing murder. You have forgiven me for, for my lying. You have forgiven me for my covetousness. Did I miss one? You have forgiven me because when I have broken one, I am guilty of all. You have forgiven me because the wages of sin is death. And you did not kill me because the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You have forgiven me. You have preserved me. You have been patient with me. You have kept no record of wrongs. You have practiced 1 Corinthians 13 with me. God, thank you for this rich, abundant well and reservoir of forgiveness that you have given to me for everything that I've done against you. Now, God, I need you to help me take this to someone else. Ask God to forgive them for the terrible thing that they did against you. Ask God to forgive them for the terrible thing that they did against you. If you're a Christian, if, you've, if you know the love of Jesus, if you have received the abounding forgiveness, you have no question in your mind of your own depravity and your own sin and your own shortcomings and your own failures and all the times and all the ways you have wronged and hurt and wounded other people. And so at least in this moment, you say, God, would you forgive them for what they did to me? God, would you forgive them for what they did to me? That may be where some of you have to stop tonight. You do go, you know what? I'm just not mentally ready. I'm not emotionally ready. I, I'm too wounded. I've been carrying this too long. Then, then, then do this step with me. God, you have forgiven me. Now I'm asking you, just the way Jesus prayed for me, I'm, I'm praying for them. Father, would you forgive them of what they did to me? It was hellish. It was damnable. It, it, was, it was unthinkable. It's unforgivable. But with you, nothing is impossible. Will you forgive them for what they did to me? That'll move some of you miles ahead. Here's the last step, and I'm 30 minutes max. I'll be done. Ask God to forgive them for the terrible thing they did against you and the thing they did against them. Him. 
And then here's the last step. Ask God for the power to forgive them. Maybe you would pray it like this, Father. Will you forgive them for me? And then God, will you forgive them through me? God, would, would you help me? And, and maybe and somebody needs to do this with me, God. I'm not sure if I mean it yet. I'm not sure if I can mean it yet. But by an act of faith and will and obedience, Father, I confess, I forgive them. By faith in you and obedience to you, not about my feeling, not about my flesh, God, in obedience to you, I forgive them. God, I forgive my dad. I forgive my mom. I forgive my uncle. I forgive my brother. I forgive my, my step-sibling. I, I forgive my neighbor. I forgive my brother's friend. I forgive my, my sister's friend. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. Not by feeling not by flesh, but by faith, God, in the abundance of your forgiveness for me, God, I pray and ask you to forgive them for me and to forgive them through me. Will you pray with me? Just one more time with your heads bowed and your eyes closed with that person staring you in the face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have to see them. I'm sorry you have to think about them. But wouldn't you love to be free? Wouldn't you love to be free? Father, pray this with me. Father, forgive them for me, for what they did to me. Forgive them for the awful thing they did to me. God, you have forgiven me. Would you forgive them? God, you have forgiven me. Would you forgive them? And the answer is yes. And then would you dare pray this prayer, God, would you forgive them for me? And right now, would you forgive them through me? And Jesus, in an act of obedience, I forgive. And you name them. You name them. You say their name. And in, in saying their name, you are setting yourself free. You may need to do that again when you go home, again when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed tomorrow night, when you get up the next morning. For some of you, you have been carrying this wound for a long, long time. And you're going to have to keep cleaning that wound and cleaning that wound and cleaning that wound. And that's simply, God, would you forgive them for me? And would you forgive them through me? By an act of faith, I forgive. And you name them. Father, move in this place right now. Let healing come. God, you, you, you can heal our diseases. You can forgive all of our sins. You can cast them as far as the east is from the west. And maybe, God, the sin that we need to be rid of the most tonight, that high place in our life that we've been avoiding for such a long time, is to finally forgive. So I pray for all of those right now who are wounded, who are hurting, who are angry at me for reminding them of that person. God, I pray for your grace and mercy.
I pray for those tonight who are, who are ruining relationships in their life because of resentment, misplaced unforgiveness. And then those relationships will begin to heal. Some, some kids will forgive their parents. Some parents will forgive their kids and some grandparents. Some parents will forgive the grandparents. We God, there would be healing and release and restoration. I would challenge you as they as we start to sing in just seconds. I challenge you if if you if you feel led, I, I would encourage you to come get on your knees and and in an act of faith pray that simple prayer: Jesus, forgive them for me, forgive them through me. By faith in your holy name, I forgive. And you name the person, and you just you just lay them down on the altar, and you get up and walk away and leave them there. Let's sing.